Iraqi comedian and political satirist Ahmed al-Bashir is a testament to how humor is key in unifying the public in times of political and social turmoil. Despite having endured unspeakable trials, including torture, kidnapping, and the loss of close family members, Ahmed skillfully employs humor as a measure of alleviating the depths of trauma he has faced. Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. In this episode, Ahmed al-Bashir, the host of The Al-Bashir Show, discusses the start of his show as a tool to fight corruption, sectarianism, and extremism in Iraq and the surrounding region, and how he uses political satire to serve as a bridge that unites Iraq's fractured population. This video is from 2011 at a poetry reading in Ramadi, the capital of Ambar City, province where I'm from. The video ends with Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allah. These were the last words of a suicide bomber just before he detonated his vest. I was there. I remember making eye contact with him and seeing a kind of fear that I'd never seen before. I jumped behind the wall and that wall saved my life. I was lucky to survive. The person who was filming did not. My name is Ahmed al-Bashir, and this is my story and the story of modern Iraq. Humor is very important to us Iraqis, as you'll see. After surviving a suicide bombing, my cousin Mustafa cracked a joke at me. He told me it was a shame that I survived because how much he'd been looking forward to eating the meat served at my funeral. When we Iraqis die, we serve really good food at the funerals. <laughs> Let's go back to 2002. I was finishing high school and obsessed with dressing like Kevin from the Backstreet Boys. It was about to be dark time for Iraq and for my fashion sense. I later enrolled in Baghdad University to become an accountant. As with most of my problems, and this is true for almost most men, you can blame my dad for that. He wanted me to study theology, but that wasn't really for me. I wanted to go to the art school. One night, one of his friends complained about business. It, it is so hard to find good accountant these days. He wasn't speaking like that. He wasn't from Texas. He was from Bar. The only thing that rivals God in my father's eyes is a business opportunity for the family. He was, uh, he was very excited for me, and I was not consulted. But accounting it was, even though I wanted to go to the art school. Less than a year into college, my heart was invaded by six girls at the same time. Every girl who says hi, I fall in love with her and I propose. I know six a lot, we only do four, but six. I wanted to break that law. So my heart was invaded by six girls at the same time, and Iraq was invaded by the United States of America. Rumor had it been that we were gonna be a new US state, but there were already so many stars on the flag. How would it fit a new one? Months later, I'll never forget being in a taxi driven by an old man. 
And I was telling him how much I was excited about the American occupation. He just looked at me inside his Toyota Crown 79 and said, son, he's not from Texas, son, from now on, 8 p.m. will always be much better than 9 p.m. What did that even mean? Over time, things seems to be getting worse. In April 2005, I was kidnapped by one of the militias who had infiltrated the police. At random, militias would kidnap, kidnap a bunch of people and hold them for a ransom. They kept me for so long because my dad was too cheap. <laughs> Kill him then, I won't pay a penny. <laughs> I can produce others like him. You know, I have eight others, I don't care. They were upset with him and took it out on me. I told them my daddy issues are not my fault. I would give you the money. Maybe my dad would have paid my ransom if I became an accountant. Kids, listen to your parents. I was lucky I only got beaten and not truly tortured. And on the bright side, I lost almost 40 pounds. Strict diet. I gained it back again, actually. As I told you, humor is very important to us Iraqis. I try to make my jailers laugh so they can see me as a human or even as their friend so they don't take a electric drill to my skin. After 38 days, I was released. And get this, the same guy who kidnapped me came to my shop later to say hi. <laughs> so yes, I was punched for 38 days and told so many jokes that my captors came by later to say that they miss me. <laughs> so the words from the taxi driver before came back to me in the middle of the sectarian war in 2006. 8 p.m. will always be much better than 9 p.m. Was the feeling of hopelessness when you realize that the golden days of your, of your country are behind you and every single day is going to be worse than the one before and there is nothing you can do about it. The invading coalition policies were a disaster to Iraq. It allocated government positions based on identity and not merit. It disbanded the entire Iraqi army, sending hundreds of thousands of armed men into poverty with no way of providing for their families. People with no government experience or people who hadn't been in Iraq for decades were put in charge. I could talk to you a lot about a lot of tragedies from this time. A mortar falling on my house with my brother inside and us having to wipe off his remains from the walls in order to have something to bury. My father was truly tortured by Al-Qaeda and he died a year later of a kidney failure. After every incident, my cousin Mustafa, you remember him from his joke after I survived the suicide bombing, was there to bring me out of my depression with his unkillable sense of humor. Humor is very important to us Iraqis. I told Mustafa, it seems that the only bad things in my life happen, happens in, in April. So he told me this, next April, don't worry, it's going to be fine. He died in May just to prove that point to me. When he accidentally stepped on an IED. And yes, we ate meat at his funeral. You probably want to know what I was up to while I was getting my heart broken like this. 
I became a TV reporter during this bloody civil war. There was less demand for an accountant, you know. I decided to leave Iraq to go to Jordan. I couldn't keep doing that. It was for my own mental health. I knew Al-Qaeda wanted me dead for my journalism. The first episode of Al-Bashir show came out in August 2014, the same month Mustafa's father, my uncle, was killed by ISIS. We risked discussing sectarianism, a taboo, when, Iraqis, when Iraqi forces were mobilizing against ISIS, which was almost a sectarian war again. But our risk paid off. We had one million views that week for our first episode ever. We were the only ones independent of, of any political parties. Every topic was fair game. We made fun of the government, we made fun of ISIS, we made fun of politicians, of militias, we made fun of your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, only when they deserved it, of course. <laughs> That was our audience. We were among the voices that causing millions of strong protests throughout all of Iraq's major cities in 2019 and 2020. Every Friday, our show was broadcast on a big screen in Tahrir Square during sit-ins calling for an end to the corrupt system. The government tried to scramble the signal, but I guess their heads were too scrambled. I wish I could say that's the end of the speech, a happy ending, when Iraq, Iraqi new generation is taking over and Iraq is hap living happily ever after, and the new generation is ruling with the, the era of, of harmony and security. No, sorry. I'm not Iraq's Prince Charming. Al-Bashir show didn't cause Iraq's happily ever after. Iraq is not a democracy today, and here's why. Tens of thousands of people have been kidnapped by the same militias who are controlling Iraq today, and none of us know what's happened to them since 2016. The political elite has created a political system that allows them to stay in power forever. You want to open a restaurant, a store, you need the support of one of the parties, and you need to pay them off too. The political parties, they take the public budget and they fund themselves off. There is corruption in every area of the government. Nearly 800 protesters have been died since October 2019, the protest began. 30,000 protesters have been injured, thousands, thousands fled the country. These brave young activists, men and women alike, face brutal repression and fired at by the government and militias that countries like Iran are funding. Free elections and freedom of speech, these are real jokes in Iraq. There are no one political opposition party that remains unrepressed inside Iraq, and there is no independent voices that have been free inside Iraq. 
Let me be clear. I'm not asking you to come save Iraq. That did not turn out well when we tried that in 2003, no? <laughs> we can do it ourselves. Please just pay attention to what's happening in Iraq and understand the history of how Iraq came to be this way today. Remember, Iraq is not a playground for other countries to settle their political score on. Power politics always come to the expense of the people. We are so tired of it. And don't just blindly throw money at your problems either. There are projects in Iraq that need your support. Any money thrown at the government, government will just line the, the pockets of corrupt parties and militia groups. But there are projects will need your support and help. But above all, I have so much hope with the new generation of Iraqi people, who I truly believe that they will build a new country and maybe they will live happily ever after. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ahmed al-Bashir. That was my story and the story of modern Iraq. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much.